Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for checking out this episode today. If it's your first time here or maybe you're a returning offender and, uh, and you're not already subscribed, uh, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button. Because we put out three interviews every single week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. Of course, you can follow along on any major podcast spot like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with, hit subscribe, and again, we'll bring you three brand new ones every single week. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I'm going to be talking with Corey Taylor. Yes, you know him as part of Slipknot and Stone Sour. He now has his very first solo album under his own name with an album title, CMFT, Corey MFT. Sure, you can uh, connect the dots there. We're going to be talking about what makes these songs different. And if you're familiar with those other bands, you're going to hear immediately what makes these songs different. And he'll tell you he wants to make an album with a vintage vibe that blends genres of punk and 80s glam and country. And he's not hiding his influences. We're going to be talking about a lot of those influences from Prince to Slade and everything in between. 
Uh, I'll ask if it's like writing with a different artistic muscle. You know, writing these songs, something like this, these these big stadium rock style songs uh, versus what he usually does in Slipknot and Stone Sour. He'll tell us about uh, how he's learning the piano and wants to learn the steel drums and start writing songs on both of those. And we'll dive into guitar-driven rock, uh, something he says is becoming a lost art form. I will gush about the solos that... uh, that you find all throughout this record. And on the subject of guitars, uh, Corey recently just sold a, a bunch of guitars, put them up actually for auction, with all the proceeds going to support the ACLU. He wants to amplify causes to help people out there. And we'll also hear about uh, the B-sides and covers that's still to come from uh, the, the sessions from this record. Also worth noting that you can watch this interview on uh, on YouTube as well. Just, uh, just search Kyle Meredith with Corey Taylor. So without further ado, let's get into it. Talking about the record CMFT, it's Kyle Meredith with Corey Taylor. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, first off, congratulations on this. This has been one of the most fun albums to listen to uh, that I have uh, heard in quite a long time. I mean, every Thanks. track, it, you, you can't, you don't think that it can get, you know, up to any more. Right. And then every single track does it. So first, congratulations on this. Thank you. Like, I, And I mean that because it's, that was kind of, the spirit of what I wanted this to be, you know, like I wanted this to be a fun album, you know, and not that it doesn't have its its serious moments, but I wanted this to have that feeling of yesteryear, like an almost like a like a, a vintage vibe, because that's what that's what the way a lot of older albums felt like. It was a fucking roller coaster. It was it was, you know, celebratory. It, it wasn't a bum out. It was, you know, it was, you didn't have to have a dissertation to listen to it. You just sat down and you enjoyed it, you know? And that's, that's what I wanted this to be is I, we call it junk food music because it's so, it's so good. It's gotta be fattening, right? I mean, it has, it has to be, right? It's one of the ones after you check your teeth for cavities. Absolutely. You're like, God, that chorus, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I've heard sing along to a lot of them. And right from the beginning, too, like Highway 666, well, first of all, is this your crossroads? Is that where we're getting, like, your version of the crossroads? I mean, I guess, you know. I mean, that song, you know, it's honestly, that song started out as two verses that I wrote in high school and that I found in a notebook a couple of years ago, when I was over at my grandma's house, like this is short before, shortly before she passed away, I was going through a bunch of my old stuff from high school, and I found a notebook, and I had written these two stanzas, basically. And I, I, I kind of remember, I was like, oh, I remember this, this is kind of cool. And I wasn't sure if it, they were poems or verses, but then when the time came to start kind of, I was really kind of like fashioning this album together, I remembered those two verses. And maybe it's because, you know, after 30 years, you're a little more confident with music and listening to something and getting a better idea. But I immediately just kind of had that old, like an old school kind of like country stomp vibe, you know, like that, that, that almost like that, uh, the highwayman kind of vibe, you know, with the with Cash and Christofferson and shit. So that, I think, was what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to take it in a different direction and really kind of add a hint of metal to it, a little more rock, maybe even some rockabilly to it. And yeah, I mean, it was such a great 
it was such it was so much fun playing around with the styles on that that it really set the tone for what was to come. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, all of the genres you're painting, like the very first time I heard it, I could hear a little bit of like social distortion. Right, Maybe that right. SoCal rockabilly punk, you know, cow punk thing going on there. There's a lot of that on the album, actually. Uh, yeah. Kansas, Kansas is kind of like that. It's like the Eagles, if it was shot through a social D, you know, kind of filter or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's you know, obviously, Social D was like one of my favorite bands, you know, but there's. There's some bad religion on there. There's some, uh, you know, obviously there's some some 80s glam, which I'm unashamed of loving. I don't give a shit. People can kiss my ass. I love that music. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so many different genres and flavors that I wanted to play with, but I also wanted them to cohese in a way that felt unilateral you know really you could listen to and it it didn't seem like six different bands playing six different types you know and you know i feel like we pulled that off yeah that's not an easy trick i don't think that's an easy trick for anyone and i I love the way that you are talking about this too because uh even in the other interviews like you're not hiding the influences on this like some people might shy away like oh yeah maybe we were listening but like this is it feels like to me in the interviews that you've done this is you saying these are my heroes and this right. is doing the tribute record in a sort of way to them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And actually in the, the liner notes of the album, I actually list, it's like a truncated list of my heroes, you know, and it's everybody from Prince to Stiv Baders to James Hetfield to David Lee Roth, Halford's on there. I mean, it's, I have never been one to not only deny credit where it's due to someone, but also deny where I was inspired to do something, you know? I am, I'll be the first to admit, like, this really influenced me or that really influenced me. I think people who hide behind that, they just come off as pretentious dicks, you know? And I just, I don't have fucking time for that shit. Especially now, dude, I'm almost 50. Who gives a fuck, you kidding me? Who am I really trying to impress here? You know, like this is this album really is more for my age group than anybody else. You know, I mean, if people, if younger people like it, so be it. But at the same time, it's like people are pretty pretty familiar with who I am. So it's like I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not, and I really never have. You know. What has been, you know, kind of cool to hear you talk about some of those. Of course, you slip in prints there. You brought up Slade at one point in a different interview. And yeah. I thought, who talks about Slade? Slade's one of my, like the first time I heard Get Down and Get With It, you know, that was like one of the greatest songs of all time. Just kind of shattered that, my world. That live version, dude, is no fucking joke. In fact, that I, I've, uh, I've actually put together a, a truncated version of that as our live intro. Like, get people going, you know? Like, everybody does the dark and moody thing. And I was like, fuck that. Let's come out and just fucking, you know, keep on rocking, keep on rocking, keep on rocking. Just get people fucking fired up, you know? I give no shits, dude. Yeah. See, that's the opposite. I love hearing that, by the way, because when I heard the song Silverfish, my first thought was, because of the lyrics, I was like, oh, I wonder if this was, like, written to be the opener in the way that, like, semi-sonic wrote closing time to be the closer right 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 right. no that song that song man it's it's first of all it's probably one of my favorite songs i ever wrote because it's just one of the most satisfying 
chord progressions I've ever put together, especially the solo bits. And I just loved the way it flowed. And I, I remember playing that for my wife before we recorded it. And she would always look up and she would go, that song's really fucking good, you know? And uh, now for me, you know, that song was always supposed to be more of like a, you know, kind of keep everybody up and then give them a little, like a minute to kind of catch their breath and then right back to the fucking, to the, you know, the, the pit crew, you know? So it's, I, I, I didn't want it to start off too slow. I wanted the album to really punch. Mm-hmm. I wanted to put that almost in a strategic place that allowed people to kind of sit back for a second and kind of, you know, square their stance and bear down on it, you know, and get ready for it, you know? Well, you know, a song like that, and I'll compliment the melody is so strong on that one all across this. Is it, is it a different, do you have to like exercise a completely different muscle? Is it technically different for you to write a song like these songs than you would have in Slipknot or Stone Sour? That's a good question. Yes and no. Just for the fact that I kind of let the hook come to me, and that's whether it's melody or a chant or, you know, one of the other crazy things that turns into a hook on a Slipknot song, you know. Like, I tend to just kind of sit back and let that idea come to me naturally. And then I kind of chase that, and I follow that. Um, I'll worry at something until it's natural conclusion, until I can figure out A, what I'm saying, B, how I'm gonna say it, and C, with what kind of urgency or whatever. Or, and, and then I give myself at least six or seven different variations on that to kind of play around with, you know? So uh, th- there's definitely a mindset that you have to be in when you're writing for Slipknot, when you're writing, even with Stone Sour, you know. But these songs are really the ones that I write when no one's around. You know, these are the songs that I write when I'm just sitting around dicking on my guitar. You know, I'm you know might have my J35 out, which is pretty much the the, it's the guitar I usually write almost everything on, and that includes like Slipknot stuff. But it's it's the stuff that I would write regardless you know so in a weird way these songs are almost more instinctive than they are studied with like Slipknot and Stone Sour because with either of those bands you know you really have to listen to the what you're writing and saying first and go okay this obviously fits with this and this with the other and this stuff I mean, there's no chance, like, sometimes that, I mean, for the longest time, there was no chance anybody was going to hear this stuff, you know? So, it was really for me, and uh, it was only because people pressured me to fucking put out a, a solo album, you know? So, so I don't know, man. I mean, that's a, good que- that's a good question. I will say, with this stuff, it was a lot more about following an idea that was in my head instead of uh, looking to fit an idea with either band over the here you know because you i guess uh, from what i'm assuming anyway like you you sort of have your parameters set over there like i'm kind of giggling inside thinking about you know you writing the hook to kansas you know during the middle (laughs) of the slipknot campaign go that's not gonna work (laughs) no that's not i mean and and the funny thing is that song is what 15 years old 
you know like yeah i wrote that song a long long time ago and it was like it was weird i was it was right before it was right after uh come whatever may right right before we went in and did all it was gone i kind of went on this weird garage band tear where i wrote like 31 songs in like a month and a half it was a fucking weird weird because what, what would happen is i would take my son to school i'd come home i'd clean and then i'd just be sitting there going all right where are you till fucking 2 30 you know so i would just pull my guitar out and i would just write a bunch of shit you know so that song came out of that original kind of uh songwriting uh you know kind of purge but yeah i mean those songs, they come, like, I guess they come when I'm not distracted by anything. They, like, for, for, for a lot of reasons, it's sometimes when you're just kind of sitting there that something will come to you. Like, just yesterday, I, I finished a song on piano, which I've been writing on more and more and more, that, you know, had kind of been kind of dancing on my peripheral. And it was finally, there was a finally a time where, you know, the five-year-old was over playing with her friend's house, you know, playing at her friend's house. This, the housework was done. I didn't, we didn't, you know, neither my wife nor I needed to cook right away. So I sat down at the piano and, and I went from dicking around trying to figure out Desperado to writing and finishing off a song. So it's, it's the quiet moments, man, that, that really give me, the give the loud guy a chance to kind of focus, you know? The piano album that's on the way? Yeah, I, I'm still dabbling. <laughs> I'm nowhere near as adept as, as I would like, like to be, but I'm actually, because I, I, I taught myself how to play a half step down because we I write a half step down. So I'm all my stuff is, is in e, e flat, you know? So I taught myself how to play listening to my own fucking music and just kind of, you know, ham and egg in it through the chords and stuff. And now I've kind of come back and I'm teaching myself in 440, basically, for lack of a better term. And it's it's interesting trying to find everything on just just on the bridge and how like the different chords are fitting together. And it, it's it's wild, dude. But I love it. I love that challenge. Some of the greatest songs, some of my favorite songs, I can't say the greatest songs, but some of my favorite songs were in that moment where uh, an artist learned to play an instrument. And this right. was like the first like, like um, Pete Townsend learning the ukulele for Blue, Red, and Gray, or or mm. Peter Buck learning the uh, the mandolin for Losing My Religion. I mean, those right. were the first moments of them learning it. I mean, there's there is something about the innocence, the naivety of, of an instrument of yeah. being able to kind of write. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's something about picking up a new instrument, period, that is actually inspiring because it's. It's it's unlike it. It's like every time I I go into the acoustic room at like any of the uh, like, like the guitar shops or whatever, and I'm looking for, you know, some sort of you know precious wood, and I just sit down and you know sometimes you'll pick something up and you'll strum a G chord and you're like nope, we're just gonna put that right back up here, you know, <laughs> you just get that vibe, you know. And then there are times that you sit down and there's it's just from that first ring, just that first ring, you go. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's been 45 minutes and your kids are like, are we going to fucking go anytime soon? And I'm like, oh yeah, daddy's got to buy this, you know? (laughs) So, and I walk out with a guitar I didn't think I was going to buy. I think it's not just instruments that you've never played before, but it's also instruments that you've never touched before can have that, especially if you're really, really into 
playing and and you can go on a tear just by yourself and lose yourself in it there's something special about the connection the first time you play an instrument you've never played before whether it's a, a guitar or you know something that you're familiar with like a like a new guitar or something something that's just kind of you know off the beaten path I still want to learn how to play steel drums. Like that's I do. I really do. And you know why? Because I fucking love the song Permanent Vacation. I love that fucking song. It's so fun. And every time it comes up on my playlist when I'm running, I start grinning. It's probably one of my favorite Aerosmith songs, like for real. And and the way those fucking steel drums complement you know, the, 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 the way they complement the music, I just love that. I'm like, God, I, I got to fucking get one of those and just play around with it, you know? I'm <laughs> looking forward to that. We, we were, I, I'm going to use this, actually. We were talking about guitars a lot, and we've talked about the music. I don't want to pass over the guitars on this record either because right, right. the solos, what's happening here? I mean, the riffs are great. The solos are mind-blowing incredible. Yeah. Like, was there, were, are these moments where you're right, you all are writing these outs are these jammed like how is this happening because this is also one of those moments where it just keeps upping itself throughout the right right i can say i can't speak for tooch and zach but they were specifically chosen to be in this band because of the juxtaposition in their styles but also because they're so goddamn creative you know and i knew that any challenge i threw at them they would absolutely chew back up and spit back at me, you know? So those guys love to write a solo, you know? So they sit down and they work on it, and watching them really kind of destroy that stuff in the studio was so rad, you know? Because I, I love watching people piece together solos, you know? I'm a pentatonic fool, so I, I can play that shit all day. I actually play the first little solo in... Uh, halfway down then that then leads to uh, the modulation into C and whatnot I play that little run and that was about as far as I wanted to go because I just I just I heard that lick and I knew it would augment it would be a good launching pad but I just let them tear it up I said I basically gave them carte blanche I was like do what you're feeling you're both so good that I trust you and if something, if I'm not, if I'm not vibing on something, I will absolutely let you know. And I never really had to do that, man. It was, it was really, really cool. And sometimes they would write things that even they couldn't pull off. <laughs> and then watching, get, taking pleasure in that, I, I feel a little bit bad about. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, so he can bleed. Okay, I got you. <laughs> the way they're treated on this record, I guess, is what's impressive because a lot of times, even a good solo, it's still sort of used as filler. You know, the bridge moment, right. whatever, here's the solo. These right. are almost treated like, you know, if you were in a pop song, this would be the key change moment. This is where we take the right. song from here to here, you know. Right. I'll right. even look down at the, uh, at, at the title track. Like, for as much as going on there, and this goes back to the beginning of the interview when you're talking about how you put together all of these genres. Right. Because, you know, here you have this crunchy song, you're throwing in some hip hop on top of, top of it, and suddenly it also becomes a bit of a prog metal track. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like yeah. skirting that line the whole time. Like, <laughs> I, well, it's, it's because I have an appreciation for guitar-driven rock, you know, which is almost a lost art these days, you know? Every, anything guitar driven is either pushed 
to like the extreme or it's watered down and not allowed to be as abrasive as it could be you know everybody's you know everybody's listening to youtube albums these days and it's all just you know like a lot of delay really wet and just that kind of fucking weird shit which whatever if, if that makes you happy fine that's fine go go fucking play with your line six and have fun but for me there's something still that and maybe this comes back to loving the sound of recording through air which is an amp pushing through the air and the fucking molecules around it maybe it's because of my love for the feel of a live situation i just i just i, I just I just love it, you know, and, and and I always have. I love singing. I love singing along to that music. I love writing that music, and I love hearing it played not correctly but appreciatively. Sure. You know? Because there is a fucking difference. I'll bring up one more thing about the guitars, and this is just something you've done, something really commendable too, because you've been selling your guitars with proceeds going to the ACLU, right? It was something I was looking to do anyway. Um, it was something I was looking to do for for quite a long time because I'd I had kind of come off the road and it actually kind of coincided with the lockdown, the quarantine. It was it was something I just kept kind of putting off because I kept having to kind of jump in and out of town while I was on tour. But with the quarantine, it allowed me time to really go. Okay, I've got a lot of fucking guitars. I got to go through these. And I didn't want to sell them. I wanted to do something that felt right. You know, I wanted to kind of give back and, and kind of do something. So I just, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, we, had, we had contacts with eBay who were actually very interested in, in doing something and, and doing a, which was really cool, a match the funds kind of vibe where, so for like for every dollar that, we raised with those guitars, eBay would match it. And, um, you know, obviously civil rights right now, uh, with all of the insanity going on in this country, uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, it's something I've always supported. And, you know, it may not be my fight, but that doesn't mean that I'm not there to support the people who are in that fucking fight. So, yeah, I mean, it was, to me, it was a no-brainer. It was something that... Uh, you know, I kind of chide myself now for not doing earlier, but you know, it, it's not about the time you do it. It's it's that you did it. Period. You know. So yeah, I mean, it's every little drop helps, and uh, I know it, it, it's it's a really weird time to, because people look at that as it, it's it's very politically motivated, and it's like, how is helping people political? You know, are we really that? numb and do we have that blind that many blinders on to think that helping somebody is a political move uh, so I'm, I'm basically saying screw the backlash i don't really give a shit because if you were against this you probably don't like my music anyway <laughs> and uh, i'm just kind of you know i'm just kind of going for it that's that age-old story is like you like the clash but you voted for who type yeah of thing. exactly yeah. Uh, Allies are needed right now. And, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. This is, you know, I'm, I'm saying this. Allies are needed. I so appreciate, like, you've done, I mean, this is, you didn't decide to write about it. This is an album about that. This is a really fun record, right. but it doesn't mean that you weren't there a part of it. And I right. certainly yeah. appreciate that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I actually hint at it on uh, Culture Head. 
and I come at it from a standpoint of being in the middle because there are certainly things. Obviously, I'm much more liberal, liberal than than you know people would even realize. But I have problems on both sides with with all of the rhetoric kind of flying over my fucking head. It's really about looking around, going, really? I mean, at this point in time. We need to be looking for things to fucking bring us together, not tear us apart. But that comes from leadership. And obviously, we've seen that the Cheeto can't lead unless there's... Well, he can't lead, period. But he's not comfortable when there's not a ton of drama and a shit ton of chaos going on. And that's not that's not the way to to, to run a country. It just isn't. Uh, it makes sense that that comes as sort of the angriest, darkest part of this record too, with a culture head, along with everybody dies on my birthday. I mean, uh, that's you know, uh, again, I think what I'm doing here is really complimenting the way this is all structured as an album because you do right. you get that entire arc that goes over it, and uh, a lot of time went into the sequencing too. I mean, yeah, I you could tell. Yeah, I mean, I played around with with the flow. I, f I almost nailed it the first time in, and then I I, I changed a couple of different things around. And that really gave it a, a great, you know, kind of ebb and flow. Like the, the peaks and valleys were definitely there. You know, just when things were getting too serious, it, you know, kind of really hit. So, yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, the uh, the covers uh, B-sides, that's going to kind of accompany this? Is that what I read? Something, yeah, something like that at some point, you know. Uh, I, I hope so, anyway. They fucking sound killer, dude. So, um, and we cover everybody from from the dead boys to john cafferty and the beaver brown band so i mean we we didn't we didn't take any shit you know dead boys sonic reducer no all this and more which is actually a fucking killer tune it's really really good um it's, it's probably one of the cooler b-sides or, or i can't even say b-sides like just, just a deep cut on that album um but it for me it really kind of sets the tone for why that band is so good because you know somebody would look at that in this day and age they'd look at that as a throwaway track and yet it works so well in can you know working alongside things like sonic producer and then you know this other like upbeat songs like what love is you know i mean it really kind of or, or caught with your meat in the mouth you know like which is a great fucking song but all this and more is just as such a, a slow burner, seductive kind of weird rock tune that it's just one of my favorites, man. I'll be looking forward to hearing those whenever they yeah. come out. In the meantime, Corey, CMFT, again, what a fantastic record that you put out here. I mean, this Thank whole you. thing, it's so I much fun. Right on. Very cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking the time, man. And take No worries. Yeah, you too, man. <laughs> My thanks, Corey Taylor, again, the new record, CMFT. Thanks to Corey. Thanks to you for checking out this episode. Before you get out of here, I do hope you'll hit that subscribe button. Again, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you get your favorite podcast from, just type in Kyle Meredith with. Hit subscribe. We'll bring you three interviews every single week. And after that... Head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, WFPK.org, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Consequence of Sound, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of them, at Kyle Meredith. Hope you like and follow along there as well. And that does it for another edition Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time.
Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.